Welcome back to season 11, episode 38 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures, the DocSF Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for the podcast. In our next episode, we're going to be hearing from Maddalena Adorno, PhD. She's done some incredible things and has made incredible discoveries while at Stanford and has now started her own biotech company. Please join me as we welcome Maddalena to the DocSF stage. Maddalena Adorno. She's a co-founder and CEO of Odorian Therapeutics. She completed her PhD at Stanford, studying stem cells and aging biology. She holds several awards and patents, founded two companies, and sits on the advisory boards of several others. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me here. Most of you have spent a lifetime working on uh, knee biology, and I spent the last two and a half years working on this. So I'm also looking forward to hear your feedback. I moved from Italy to Stanford in 2008, studying uh, stem cell biology. And my studies in stem cell biology ended up being studies in uh, aging biology. And that uh, brought me 10 years later in uh, starting a company, Dorian Therapeutics, uh, to actually bring this to the clinic. So I'm very committed to the entire uh, bench side to bedside uh, process. I'm halfway there, so 10 years have passed. Since the beginning of the process, there's still uh, a lot of road ahead of me. So I want to start just with a brief introduction about how we think about aging biology. So there are two main events that happen during aging. So from one side, stem cells that are supposed to regenerate a tissue, they decrease in number and function. And on the other side, we start having an accumulation of what they are called senescent cells. Senescent cells are a form of zombie cells that actually don't die and accumulate in aged or diseased tissues. And these zombie cells, they are actually responsible for secreting factors that poison the entire tissue and for actually compromising the functionality of the tissue. The other thing that I want to point out is that when I talk about aging, I don't necessarily talk about old people. When there is a disease, we have localized aging in that tissue. And so, for example, even if we talk about post-traumatic osteoarthritis, we are talking about aging of the joint. And this for us is very interesting and very important to remember. So if we look at the other approaches in the aging space, a lot of people have been focusing on stem cell and how to provide stem cell in a tissue to accelerate the regeneration or senescent. How can I kill the zombie cells? So Unity is, for example, a company that started just to move this forward and to kill senescent cells. They also failed a clinical trial in osteoarthritis a few years back. So for the past 10 years, we have been preaching another point of view, that the two events, the senescence accumulation and the stem cell, are related one to the other. So to really have a clinical benefit, we need to look at things that are at the key of both processes. And actually, a few weeks back, also a paper came out in humans showing that when stem cells go down in humans, senescence accumulates. So the two things go together. So you will hear this concept of senoblockers. Senoblockers are the kind of therapy we are developing at Dorian, and we want to be at the intersection between senescence and stem cell biology. Osteoarthritis, for us, it's a disease that shows exactly this kind of sign of aging. So 
First of all, there is an increase in the number of senescent cells in the knee joint. And actually, the amount of senescent cells correlates with the severity of the disease. And on the other side, there are less stem cell and less functional stem cell. So SOX9, it's a marker for mesenchymal stem cell, and it goes down in OA patient. They also run epigenetic clock. So when we look at the epigenetic clock, we don't look at the chronological age of a tissue. So if a person is 30 years old, the chronological age is 30 years old. But the biological clock, how old are the tissue? And if you look at the knee of people with uh, osteoarthritis, on average, we have four years of accelerated aging. Think about this also in terms of patient stratification that you can achieve by looking at epigenetic aging. So can we treat osteoarthritis with blockers? So my story started from research that we conducted at Stanford on people with Down syndrome. People with Down syndrome, they show signs of accelerated aging. So they have early onset Alzheimer in their 40s and 50s. They have osteoporosis, metabolic syndrome, hair loss, skin aging, et cetera, et cetera. And also from a cellular point of view, they show increased senescence and reduced stem cell activity. In this case, on average, people with Down syndrome, they show 15 years of increased epigenetic aging. So really profound phenotype. So why is that? We identified on chromosome 21 a single gene, USP16, that is actually responsible for this accelerated aging. Of course, Down syndrome is more than aging. There are other things that are not rescued by this single gene. But when we are talking about the tissue aging, this single gene is mostly responsible for all of this. And it's a deubiquitination enzyme that it means that it regulates the chromatin opening and closing. So as you know, our DNA remains the same, our epigenetic changes during time, and USP16 is one of the genes responsible of the epigenetic changes. So when we are young and healthy, there are low levels of USP16, the chromatin is closed, and the programs of aging are not accessible. When we get old or during a disease, higher level of USP16 activates these programs of aging and inflammation. So with the USP16 inhibitors, we can reverse this process and go back to a younger tissue. So USP16 happens to actually be elevated in people with osteoarthritis. And a study published by the Biobank a few years ago in osteoarthritis patients actually shows that there are three main SNPs that are involved in osteoarthritis. And one of these three SNPs actually maps three kilobases upstream of the USP16. So this is something that we are still investigating, but actually that SNP may be related to USP16 as well. So what happens if we block USP16? And one important cell type that we see in osteoarthritis are actually the chondrocytes. So we looked at human chondrocytes from healthy patients and osteoarthritis patients. If we block USP16 in healthy chondrocytes, nothing happens. There's no a huge change in the expression profile. But if we block USP16 in osteoarthritic patients, in osteoarthritic chondrocytes, now they look like healthy chondrocytes. So we are remodeling their epigenome in a way that changes a complete change in their transcription profile. So one epigenetic marker, like I was talking about, a histonobucutination changes and goes back to normal level of histonobucutination and the senescence also goes back to normal. So very interesting data. From the other side, what we are doing is that we are not reintroducing stem cells in the knee joint, but we are activating the stem cells that are already there. So 
if you see what's the effect of mesenchymal stem cell when you block USP16, is that now SOX9, that is a marker of stemness, increases and we have more efficient production of chondrocytes and more deposition of cartilage. That you can imagine that in a clinical context, these metrics actually matters. We move to in vivo studies in uh, MMT, surgery-induced model of OA. So it's a medial meniscal tear that we induce in uh, rats. And we initially use an AAV for the local delivery of RNA interference against USP16. As you know, AAV are also used in the clinic, in several clinical trials, so that's also a therapeutic opportunity. What we see is we measure mechanical lodinia, so we can measure the pain threshold in these animals. And after MMT surgery, of course, the pain threshold drops dramatically, that's the red line. But if we block USP16, in two weeks, we go back to completely normal pain level. And this is accompanied by a stronger cartilage improvement. So we have cartilage improvement, we have less inflammation, and we have a reduction in pain. Again, more data on this. This is what happens that make us think that USP-16 inhibition can be really key as a disease-modifying treatment. And we see that in the cartilage, uh, four weeks after treatment, we have a better histopathology score. We have a lower level of VEGF in the synovial fluid and more matrix deposition. So what we did uh, during therapeutics in the, the past four years, we developed a small molecule for USP-16. And besides programming osteoarthritis, we are actually tackling a number of other diseases because since we are tackling the basic mechanism of aging, we have uh, application in lupus nephritis, AKI, and a number of other diseases that we are testing. But in osteoarthritis, what we did is to do local injection of DT201, that is our lead uh, compounds, in the knee joint in the same MMT model. And what we see is that, again, we have an improvement in pain and an improvement in the histology. So again, I was mentioning that we are uh, maybe halfway in the path to bringing this to the clinic. We are planning clinical trial for 2025 in uh, OA patients, and we are now working on a slow release formulation of our drug. I think that what's really key for us is that we don't see only cartilage effect and we don't see only pain. We see the two things combined together, and this is what patient need at this point. So when we think about our clinical trial, also the advantage that we have thinking about this in terms of aging is that we can stratify patients based on blood myomarker that are relevant in the aging context. So I show you the example of the epigenetic clock. There are other markers that can be used for this. So we are setting up a preliminary study in patients to validate these markers. And when it comes to our first clinical trial, will uh, take into account patients that are already undergoing total knee replacement and we will do our injection before total knee replacement and this will give us access to the biological material to test if really we are rejuvenating the joint. We are a small company based in San Carlos, so we are a team of 10 people. We got support from NIH, we got a $4 million grant from NIH and we have a number of investors and partners that are working with us to move this program forward. And thank you for having me here and to listen to this story that it's a bit different from what you heard these days. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as informative and topical as we do, 
please share this podcast with friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 